What's up, beautiful people? Been a long time no see. Boy, it's been a long layoff, bro. <laughs> it's been 10 years. <laughs> uh, Coach English is finally back. Um, it's me, Mike, your favorite host, of course. It's Will, that other guy. Uh, we got a very extra special guest tonight. Yeah, you better not do that snapshot. We got an extra special guest tonight, <laughs> Con Science, um, the homie. Um, we're gonna be talking about some good stuff. Like, there's a reason we waited so long, y'all. Like, I feel like we just didn't really have like, well, we feel like we didn't really have a lot of substance to talk about. This is like regular low hanging fruit. Just yeah, just crap. regular shit. Um, you know, Republicans trying to turn back time, taking away you know Roe versus Wade, all that shit, that bullshit. Um, some other internet drama. We we just didn't really have anything productive to say about it. But tonight, man. Um, Want to talk about relationship anarchy with the homie Khan. Um, I wanted to raise the question of why do we treat romantic relationships so differently at such a higher level than we do like our platonic friendships when both not only like overlap in characteristics and aspects, but both are just as beneficial to our personal growth, in my opinion. And it's always been strange that we just all of a sudden just change rules just because we can, you know, we jump into a relationship. We just change the rules and everything, but we're going to get into all that real quick. We're going to shout out the Patreon. Uh, we'll want to throw it on this page. As you can see, we were taking the highest. That means we ain't had no money coming in. Shout yeah, out none. to the patients. Say what? None. None money. We still, bro, we still got 10 kids each, so we still got people to feed. Um, but, if you, but if you want to support these kids so we can bring food to not just our kids, but the other kids at the house as well. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's seen that video going around where man got cussed out. Only bringing food for his one child, but we try not to be like that. We try to provide food for the fam. All right. Um, join our Patreon, patreon.com slash cultivated ignorance. Uh, we got three different tiers, but all we ask for is the simple $5 tier. Just $5. Just $5. Just $5. Uh, yeah, man, we got a lot of dope stuff on there um, for you guys. Uh, we did... Uh, what was it, Barry? We did. What else we do, Mike? What was one? Atlanta, Atlanta's the last four review. We gotta go back and do the four review of Barry. We gotta do the four review of Barry. Yeah. And it got my man. But anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, man, it's just a, a lot of uh, a lot of dope stuff on there. Extras, a couple of extra interviews that you won't see anywhere else. Um, you know, so go check it out. www. Patreon. Dot com slash cultivated ignorance. <laughs> took me a while to get that out. I was gonna say you took the long route. Painful. <laughs> <laughs> took the long and um, real quick, I'm gonna shout out. You know, we got to shout out the events going on. And um, if you're in Columbia and the surrounding areas, uh, Friday, uh, July. What's is, what's is next Friday? Golly, I always get lose track of what time we doing these shows and what time they. July ninth. Is that right? Eighth, eighth, eighth. eighth. July eighth. Is it a Friday night vibe open mic at Labambo? Labambo, I hope I'm saying it correct. Um, restaurant African, um, located at 10203 Two Knots Road here in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, the good homie Bugsy Calhoun, along with Wifey, uh, Winter Storm, have a very, very dope open mic show. It goes on every, I don't think it's every Friday. I think it's just that Friday in particular. Um, only $5 to get in the dough. I promise you're going to have a good time. Bugsy is a beast. When the storm is a beast. Khan is a beast. I don't know if Khan's performing lately. Khan, are you, you still performing or no? Uh, the jury's still out on that. 
You <laughs> <laughs> the hard head scratch just now. Right. <laughs> Look, Maslow's hierarchy needs is whooping my ass right now. So, oh yeah, I feel you a thousand percent. I feel you. But if you want to check out some good spoken word, again, that's Friday, July eighth, Friday night vibe, open mic, um, Boston Calhoun, Winter Storm, located at Bombo Res- Restaurant African at ten two zero three Two Notch Road. Only five dollars to get in the door. Show starts at seven p.m. Uh, be there or be a lane, whatever you want to do. It's fine. Um, so yeah, man, I've been wanting to have a, a good relationship talk for a hot minute now. And, um, I feel like Khan, you just a great candidate. Um, because you're the only relationship anarchist that I know. I don't know anybody else. Do you know anybody I, I else? Never, I never even heard of relationship anarchy before. This is why he's here. This is why he's here. So if you want to tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Uh, what relationship anarchy is, um, what are your love styles, a lot of good stuff. Cool. All right, so yeah, my name is Khan. Um, short for Khan Science, that's my stage name. I am a spoken word artist out of Atlanta currently. I'm also a photographer. Um, I have my own photography business, iconic photos. Um, let's see, I'm a vet. I am by, I have been doing all of these things except for the last one for about the past 10 years. <laughs> and I'm also a recently a relationship anarchist. So a relationship anarchist is basically someone who doesn't follow the relationship escalator, which means you're kind of not going with the traditional uh, talking, dating, and proposal, marriage. Like you, you might do any of these things out of order or not want to subscribe to any of these things. Um, also things that go along with relationship escalator is like, uh, co-mingling finances and, you know, uh, future, um, estate planning, things of that nature. Right. So like with relationship anarchy, the best way I could describe it, because it is kind of convoluted. If you look at, like, if you look up on Google with the, with the official technical terms and definitions, but I like to use an example. Um, it's based off a chart I've seen. If you take all of the things that you need from each of your types of relationships, like the things you need from a friendship, the things you need from a relationship, uh, romantically, the things you need from your family, the things you need from, uh, coworkers, uh, if you take all the individual items and put them into like a pile, people could come and pick and choose which things they can do best. So for example, um, if I was staying with my best friend, me and my best friend might have a joint account to handle the, the financial needs of the place we're staying in rather than me and the person I'm actually romantically talking to. Whereas in most places, people think that you're supposed to do all this stuff with your uh, you know, romantic partner and your friends are supposed to be just thrown to the wayside. One of the reasons why relationship anarchy was started was because folks didn't understand why if, you know, me and you, Mike, was like friends for like 10 years and then I meet a shorty, next thing you know, two years later we get married and she's like, I don't like Mike, you got to drop him. I got to drop you. Like, where does that make sense that you got more, you got more skin in the game. You've been in, you've been in longer, you know what I mean? But people will literally do that for the quote unquote love of their life. Um, to me, everybody's on the equal playing field. So you pick and choose what you can do. I provide what I can do and we just move forward from there. And that can include almost, almost anything. So 
the, the contentious relationship are tends to be non-monogamous because of that. So I might have somebody who I might go out on romantic dates with and be intimate with, but then I also might be intimate with my uh, other friend type deal. Just because that maybe I started off as a thing that just happened and we just kept going. But mm-hmm. since I don't have any exclusive ties to either one, there's no reason to stop either one as long as everybody knows each other and we're all communicating. Um, it's just basically kind of like, I don't want to say a new way of dating, but I think it's been resurfaced and repackaged as relationship anarchy. There's little rumors that the original person who said they invented it didn't invent it. It was, uh, the term was coined by a white woman. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. <laughs> so like what, what, I guess, what about your journey got you to this point exactly? Uh, coming out as bi, actually. I am 36 years old. I came out as bi two years ago, um, so I was 34. And coming out that late compared to how most queer folks come out when they're like teens and stuff is kind of like, it's kind of like a culture shock, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like going to another country and then you wake up and you're like, damn, I'm in another country. Like after 30 something years of just basically being like, I'm straight, I'm straight, I'm straight. I'm waking up like, oh no, I'm not straight. Like now I got more people that can dislike me. But one of the things about coming out queer is you start questioning everything, right? And for most people, for most of us, we still tend to stick with the things that we were raised to believe. But for some of us, we start the things we start to question, we start to reevaluate and be like, okay, is this really serving me? I noticed that in my analysis of my previous relationships, I was already low key a relationship anarchist. I was just unethical about it. I remember back in college, I was dating a um, beautiful girl, loved her to death. But at the same time, around like the first year of our relationship, I met somebody else and was talking to them, and we got just as deep within a couple months but then me only knowing monogamy me only knowing all the heteronormative ways I didn't know how to navigate that so I did what most gay motherfuckers do and I lied and cheated (laughs) and I was talking to both of them but like I was thinking in a you know I'm a little bit of a geek so I think it's like geek terms I was thinking like in a different universe I could have talked to them both openly. They could have been like, hey, look, I'm down with that. And we all could have been happy. You feel what I'm saying? So once I got to that point, I became non-monogamous. Me and I didn't really see a lot of us there. And so I thought I was like, kind of like hesitant toward it. But then Clubhouse happened and the pandemic happened. So with that going on, everybody's on Clubhouse, the audio app talking and having all these conversations. And I started meeting um, Black folk who are not only non-monogamous, but now they introduce all these new concepts to me. And I was in a room where this uh, woman brought up relationship anarchy. And instead of me going toward the polyamory or polygamy side, I was like, oh no, that's me right there. Because I felt like I was already living that. I just didn't know I was. Um, so I started doing more research on it and, you know, I didn't dive headfirst, but like, you know, as soon as I heard it, start calling myself that, cause I like to, you know, see how things go. But I, you know, I watched it for about a couple months, listened to the Conros, uh, joined a couple Facebook groups, things of that nature. And then, um, maybe about like four or five months later, I was like, yeah, this, this is definitely the, uh, route that I want my future relationships to go. And so it was pretty much a wrap from there. 
you said something very poignant about questioning everything. Once you, I guess you just discovered within yourself that you were bi, how you started questioning everything. Um, I think that is such such a key that I feel like we all need to take on. And I feel like, honestly, I feel like from my personal experience, my queer friends have always been better at that than like my heterosexual friends because I feel like most of us are like so stuck on trying to like fit ourselves in these tiny little boxes with all our might. And any venture outside that shit is like, oh shit, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I can do that. So with that being hopefully the goal, and it's more towards a question towards Will, because this thing this is kind of per, you know pertains to me and you. Can you think of any reason, any logical reason that we should put our romantic relationships at a higher priority than our intimate friendships when they're both just as beneficial? Logical? Probably not. <laughs> right? <laughs> but like, is, but like, is like, I guess, falling in love with someone, you know, logical? You know what I mean? Because, I mean, at a certain point, like, you start doing some not so smart things for the person you love. But is it because of that, though? Go ahead. I was going to say, isn't that because of that? Because you're so busy trying to put it at a, such a high pedestal? Isn't that where you start doing the dumb shit? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if one is... Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that's the result of it. I, I don't... Like, I feel like love is like a fall, right? Like you, like, you just keep going deep. It's not that you're pushing. You're just going. Like, you just... You just, you just, you just selling out for this person. Oh, God. I would hope I mean, not. Like, I mean, not like selling your soul or nothing, but you know, like, you know, you kind of just letting your world and this person's world meld um, more than you would with like your friends or whatever. I, I agree that, you know, both relationships can be just as beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there is something to say about like the, the, the depth you go with someone that you're supposed to be that you just that you've decided that you want to build a life with yeah but that even that though like we build lives with our close friendships too like like so one thing i was thinking about was something so funny is so you can have a friendship for like 20 something years you know this is like your your person right like Mm -hmm. if you ever need something you got them and you get into a new relationship and you are sprung and shit and you completely neglect neglect that friend that's the dumbest thing ever (laughs) you know what i'm saying you neglect them entirely and then when the shit falls apart, who the first nigga you run into? Yeah, I mean, but like, I think the neglect is just based on like the infatuation. And I, I would say that 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 would be something that would apply to myself. Hmm. Or, you know, if that was my situation. It would more so be infatuation with the person I'm dating versus like putting this wall or this wall or this barrier up to, you know, uh, shield myself off from the friend. In a, in a manner of speaking, you know, like how uh, men or women, you know, they cut off their friends of the opposite sex for whatever stupid reason. Mm-hmm. I don't truly get it just to, I guess, make your partner comfortable. Yeah, 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 that's like, it. Yeah. Insecurities, you know, <laughs> right. um, which is the dumbest thing in the world to me, but whatever. <laughs> I got friends. To your point, though, right? But to your point, though, right? So mm-hmm. when you are where when you're in this building phase with the person that you you met and you are are falling so to speak 
what these out what these what folks would say are these new ideals this new you know non-monogamy thing this new quote-unquote queer thing even though all this stuff has been around for like centuries only just in different forms when it causes you to <clears throat> question everything it's not just for folks who decide oh i got introduced to this concept i like it i'm gonna embrace it it's also for folks who are like let me find out what they're talking about no that ain't for me but there were gems in there i can take from that i've been in plenty of conversations with people that are were raised you know southern baptist monogamous all of the things but from our conversations they learned that there was flaws in their thinking as far as monogamy goes so like the whole you neglect your best friend for you know this person you just met that's a communication issue all you gotta do is communicate with your friend hey look uh this relationship's new uh i'm i'm you know you know how it is when 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 that goes hey can you just give me a a, a minute for everything to settle down we'll get we'll, we'll start linking back again yeah. i mean in non-monogamy we call that new relationship energy you know what i'm saying you tell your partner hey look uh i'm i'm sorry if i if you feel like i know but you know we just met this person or i just met this person you know let me let me get some stuff settled out and we'll 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 uh we'll rock and in other situations where you know the folks want you to drop the person of the other gender that's insecurity and all you got i go say all you gotta do because insecurities can be very very hard to you know break through but one of the things you gotta do is just make your partner feel secure hey look i'm i'm rocking with you if this was the person for me we would have been together because we've been friends for this long don't think that you know just because they have, you know, the same genitals as you, that I'm just gonna fall in love with them because I met you. Like that doesn't make any sense. They were already here before you showed up, and we haven't done anything. So why? What, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And so when you when you question everything, that's not people have a tendency to think, oh, that means you want me to change my beliefs, my core values. No, it just means challenge your beliefs and core values. And when you come to the conclusion that you still want those, it makes them that much stronger. Because now when people question you about, well, why do you hold that belief? Why are you sticking with monogamy? Why are you sticking with religion? You can be like, well, this is because such and such and such and such. You did the work, by I mean, Yeah. Yeah. So that makes perfect sense. But my question for you is, how successful have you been even introducing the idea, especially living in the South? Like, like living in South Carolina, I can say, I mean, it's <laughs> we have a lot of progressive people in Columbia, but for the most part, the second you mention non-monogamy, motherfuckers lose their fucking mind. Like, <laughs> they think cheating, they think, oh, you need to just be single. That's that's the shit I keep hearing. Oh, why don't you just be single if you're gonna be out in these streets? Just be single, why are you wasting people's time? Like. What has been your success rate introducing like relationship anarchy to new prospects? I can't even cap in person, <laughs> real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Zero. Right. But that's what I love about this new technology age, this new internet age. If I would have learned about this stuff, let's say I was like, you know, a little bit old and I learned about this stuff through an encyclopedia back in the 90s, I'd have been asked out. I'd have been like, okay, this all sounds good in theory, but this is not happening in real life. But in the internet age, we like me, unfortunately, they're like maybe states away. You know, maybe they're up the coast. Maybe they're on the other coast. Maybe they're, you know, in the same city. But, you know, we just have these different, you know, lives that we can't always, you know, link up type of thing. If I was to actually be in a position to, like, really pursue what I wanted to pursue um, relationship-wise, I'd be good. I've already had people in my DM saying, hey, UQ, what's good? 
and our we already and we came from a we both came from like a, a non-monogamous group or room where we already chatted a bit so i already know what type of time you want i ain't got to introduce this concept to you we just got to see if we're compatible you know what i mean uh of course there's an alarm my bad if y'all could hear that um oh, good but yeah it's it's yeah the internet age has made it where you know while it may be more difficult to introduce difficult uh new concepts into the area you're in or uh among the people you know you can still find like-minded individuals and then meet them where they are if you can so me i'm single no kids i can go where the hell i want as soon as the state of georgia lets me um and plan to do so <laughs> as soon as that happens yeah no i think that's beautiful yo i think that's beautiful um so one thing that the this this conversation brings up, and as well as another conversation that I'm hoping to have in another episode, um, I'm reading this reading this book about asexuality by Angela Chen. It's called Ace, um, and she talks a lot about how because of the way things work in our society, like we've always put romantic partnership as a high priority, higher priority over friendships, intimate friendships, um, and how weird it is that someone can have like a thriving life full of beautiful friendships be just fine but like you found out they're single you you automatically assume that they're missing something in life like they're lonely inside um you know the whole kevin samuels rhetoric of you're gonna die alone and shit you know what i mean and um she really questions um why shouldn't we have a society where close friendships can reap the same benefits as marriages so like she she so she talks about like how it's not fair that you have to have someone has to be legally married to you to, in order to like share health benefits or like get bereavement time or something happens to them or, you know, make medical decisions on the behalf, their behalf. And you should be able to do that with like close friendships. Like we should be able to make it legally a, a thing for close friendships as well. Uh, do y'all agree with that? Or do y'all think that's like kind of diminishing the value of marriage, legal marriage? Uh, me personally, I'm, I'm down for the devalue the devaluation of marriage. <laughs> Why? Why? Tell us more, William. I just I just don't like <laughs> all these benefits being had that the government has to take control of it. And and to 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 your question, like I think that the reason that these other types of relationships don't have them is just for control purposes mm. by the government. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But the question I would the question I would really ask to the point she was trying to make was like, why aren't friendships and whatever these other relationships that we have just as valuable to us as, as a society, like outside of, like, why can't we view friendships just as important as marriages? Like somebody who has a close friend that's always there from da 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 da. Mm -hmm. Like, why can't we view that as being just as rewarding as having a husband or a wife or, you know, a partner or whatever? You know what I mean? Why don't we view it as that? I think it's more of a societal issue than a legal issue. Yeah. I mean, and I would love to hear Khan's answer. As I think that's a valid question. Valid question. I'll say the first thing that comes to mind is, of course, like how, you know, patriarchy and capitalism work, which is, of course, men, you know, you got to get a spouse, you got to make kids, you got to continue your heir and all that stuff. Like, that's the root of it for sure. And, um, and I think that permeates through all of us, even us millennials and Gen Zers who consider ourselves more progressive than like traditional people. Mm -hmm. Like we still see that as the goal in a lot of situations. Like 
we still see that if you don't have that, then what do you really have? I think it's like a, you know, it's like that hegemonic, um, you know, nuclear, nuclear family shit that you always are fed that, that you don't, you, if you don't have that wife and kid and picket fence and straight up monogamous relationship, if, that, if you ain't got that, then you fucking up. Um, that's the first thing that comes to mind for me, but I would love to hear Khan's answer. Um, Oh, shit. I, according to society, I'm half gay. I'm already devaluing, like, so you tear all that shit down, right? Um, and yeah, I, I completely agree. It's it's a definitely an economic, capitalistic thing. Um, nuclear family is already a concept designed by white supremacy to further uh, populate the white race and, and benefit capitalism. Like, a lot of people don't understand that. That's why I always... My, my, my eye twitches when I hear uh, or see black men talking about some, oh, the, you know, feminism and this world community is all is, is what's destroying the black community. We need to go back to nuclear families. I'm like, you want to go back to white supremacy. Okay, cool. That's the same thing the Republicans want to do. Go ahead and join them. Appreciate that. Um, right. And for, you know, for people who are non-monogamous, we, we talk about this a lot. We, because, you know, Legally, we can't marry all our partners. We, we, we get, we'd get thrown in jail in a heartbeat, especially being black. Uh, so what we had to do is find ways around it. Like we'd have to do, you know, the whole LLC thing and have, you know, all of our partners own that. That way, when there's, you know, issues that arrive, things can be handled by any one of us. We'd have to do, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's, a, that's a method. People like folks who are all going on an LLC, make themselves a, basically a corporation or a company and each one gets the same, much of the same legal protections as a marriage. Of course, there's still some things that are not, like if you know, if you go to your job, you still can't, your, your, your business partner can't uh, get you bereavement leave if something happens to them, you know what I mean? But at the same time, there's also the fight to push for that. However, you know, that takes a while, like just like all struggles, you know, it takes a while because you got to build community, you got to get consensus and somebody has to be willing to be the sacrificial lamb and sue and be prepared for all the crap that comes down while you're suing the, you know, the government for that. So what a lot of people do is they do, you know, specific documents for specific things. They'll have like a living will for a specific person. They'll have their life insurance policies where they have everybody they want on their listed as a beneficiary, you know what I'm saying? They'll do all the individual documents that marriage provides in one swoop. Mm. That way, you know, everybody's covered. Um, and that just goes along with, you know, uh, family planning. If you're with partners that you're, you've been with and you know you're gonna be with for the rest of your life, which is the goal for us, you know, is to find people that we wanna be with for the rest of our life too. Cause it's another misconception about people who are non monogamous uh, relationship anarchists is that we just we're here for a good time and a long time i'm like no i'm still trying to find fully fleshed out romantic relationships that i can live for the rest of my life but i'm also trying to you know not throw my friends out <laughs> yeah. at the same time you know what i mean i want them to stay i want them to stay and, and be there the entire way and have an equal say in not our relationship but an equal say in or or be on an equal playing field so for example so like if my friend is sick and my partner's in a fender bender i'm hoping to be understood that hey look i'm gonna go check on my friend they're they're sick they're, they they need they're, they're in the hospital i need to go check on them you're in the fender bender you're good you're not injured all right cool i'm gone in many relationships you go see that friend that's the end of your relationship 
even though it was just a fender bender. Yeah. Even though everybody's fine, it's just some shit that insurance needs to handle. They're like, nah, you went and saw your friend over, you putting your friends before me. And it's like, no, like they're 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 literally sitting in the house with COVID and they need some food delivered to them. Like, <laughs> like so. And the reason why that is, is because society, media, and capitalism, but media mainly pushes that. Like, a media a lot of times has all these tropes of finding the one, finding the one, finding the one, doing anything to find the one. Like, who's that? Tyler Perry's notorious for this, right? Like, these folks sacrifice damn near everything to find the one. They sacrifice whole marriages, health, in that one instance where, you know, Shorty got, you know, uh, uh, trigger one HIV for cheating or whatever. Like it's like, dude, like it shouldn't be this hard to find a person. Yeah, <laughs> it really should not. But we make it this way because society tells us that we're supposed to. So uh, outside looking in, not knowing non-monogamy, not knowing relationship anarchy. If the goal is to find, you know, a person that you want to spend the rest of your life with. How do you go about that when you treat all relationships the same? Or maybe I'm not understanding the full concept of relationship anarchy. No, that's no, that's a very good question. So what people think is when you're people think of people come from, I'm not saying you, but most people think from a pace of being taken from and from black. That's why, you know, we we all black, so we we know this when we try to fight for rights racist white people think there's something that's being taken away from them no there's enough rights for everybody bro. rights is literally just a word like if you you get rights you get rights there's still more rights out there right so it's the same kind of concept of relationship anarchy if i'm treating everybody at the same level i'm treating everybody at the highest level i'm not putting i'm not splitting up uh my energy or 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 my effort 50 50 50 50 now will there needs to be some logistics you know put in place of course I'm dealing with most people at the same time, but everybody gets that super high priority. And the only time that I need to put one person over the other is in very emergency specific situations like the one I described earlier, you know what I'm saying? And so that's just where communication comes in because eventually I'm gonna check on everybody, right? I'm gonna call in on everybody. I'm gonna spend time with everybody and everybody's gonna get all of my attention that the entire time. That quality my best friend, we, we, you know, we laugh and joke and playing video games, talking cash shit, you know what I'm saying? Uh, damn near almost came to blows over a space table. It is what it is. But at the same time, the next day I'm with, you know, I'm with the boo and we are fully involved. My phone is off. It's face up so you can see that ain't nothing going through. And even if something's going through, you know, I got other people that might message me, but I'm not even looking at it type thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's so much the same way you can love your mama to the point where you would jump in front of a bullet for her. But you could also do the same thing for your spouse. Relationship anarchists are like, look, I can do that for everybody I rock with. If you get to that level, you know what I'm saying? Of course, there's still people that you meet and you're like, let's, 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 let's build a rapport first. I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, I just met this stranger. You know, they're, they're super cool. They're at the same level as my mom. Hell no. <laughs> right? This does be some sort of time put in. So in, in, it's, it's a, in theory, it's supposed to be everybody is on the same playing field right and it sound good but like with me personally my specific brand relationship anarchy yeah you still gotta put a little bit of time in but you ain't gotta like 
I'm like I said, I'm not gonna throw out my 20 year relationship with my best friend over a two year relationship with my shorty. You know what I'm saying? But if I got two year relationship with my shorty, I'm also not going to like be like, hey, look, uh, this is best friend. Best friend take priority either. I'm just gonna be like, look, we're gonna have to find some some way where everybody is happy, some sort of compromise, because the only time this should be conflicts is in very specific situations. Like if I'm not neglecting you for another person, then it really shouldn't be an issue. If I'm not always with the boys and never want to spend time with you, then it shouldn't be an issue. It's like very, and, and I can't even describe those type of situations because that's just stuff that you have to go through with life, you know, things that are personal to each person because everybody has different lives. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has different jobs, careers. I'm also going to be a, you know, like I said, I'm a spoken word artist, I'm a photographer, so I'm also going to be my own employer. I'm going to be putting a lot of energy and time into my businesses. So like, it's really just knowing how many folks I can juggle. So for a lot of people, um, they may only need, you know, one partner, a best friend, and of course, their family. Yeah. For others, they may have more energy, love to give, and they might be able to have two or three partners, their best friends, and, you know, still be able to, you know, hold the family down. And then, you know, take care of their business. It's just, it's what you can handle personally. You got to know your limits. And relationship anarchy plus ethical non-monogamy in general helps you know those limits. Okay. No, yeah, everybody's get, everybody gets 100. Oh, my bad. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Finish. Go ahead. No, no I was, no, was going to say it. I was just going to, you know, I forgot it. I was rambling. So I wanted to tie it back to the original question. But yeah, everybody gets 100. Not, you know, everybody gets 50, 50 or 25, 25, 25, 25. Sorry. No, nah, you weren't rambling at all. Like you already answered one of my questions because I was about to ask, like, what is this compulsive, like, because, you know, <laughs> especially like heterosexual internet, be making all these like hypothetical situations of like, if, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> if, you're, if your best friend calls you at 1030 at night, you laying in the bed with your boo, are you going to answer the phone? <laughs> or like, like, yeah. you just said, <laughs> like you just said, if you're, if your homegirl is, has a flat tire, you're going to go help her without your, without your, um, you gonna call your wife first to ask permission to go help her? Like all these shits that make love seem so scarce, yo. Like me and Will talked about like how scarcity, the scarcity mindset just is used to manipulate people so much. And like, I don't, I, well, manipulation is a, you know, it's a hard thing to shake because you don't know you're being manipulated. But at some point you just gotta realize like, what am I doing, yo? Like, why am I making these, situations out to be something that is clearly not or it, it likely isn't because like you said like if i have a friend who's already been my friend sorry my camera's acting crazy if i have a friend that's already been uh, my friend for 10 20 years why would you all of a sudden assume that i'm going to cheat on you cheat on you with this person like when we've done nothing before or even if we did something before it's clearly over with like that's clearly the past so like why would we make this why would we make something out of nothing is what is what it seems like. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. That's, it is a lot of times. Um, so, uh, uh, to break it down just a little bit further. So, when I say uh, when I say I'm not going to be an analyst, anarchist, that's that's a very 
purposeful distinction, right? Because not all relationship anarchists are non-monogamous. Non-monogamy can be a part of it because it's supposed to be a hate. Everybody takes what they, everybody that's in my life says what they can do for me. And not in no, you know, real formal way. Like we be going down a checklist when we first meet, like, oh, so uh, can can we co-mingle? No, uh, no, you just, you kind of like just talk it out over the course of, you know, hanging out type deal. So, <clears throat> In non-monogamy, your specific goal is to date multiple people because you know you have the capacity for that. In relationship anarchy, you're just saying, hey, look, nobody really has super high priority priority over anybody else, which means I can definitely still be fully monogamous. So if somebody's like, oh, well, I don't think that's for me because I can't be, you know, I can't be non-monogamous, that's fine. You can still be monogamous and be a relationship anarchist. It just means that you have, because, you know, relationship anarchy is not no boundaries. A lot of people have that tendency to take, you know, specific terms and want to break it down to their root forms and think that's the meaning. Like they, when they say, oh, I'm not scared of queer people, that's not what heterophobia means, my guy. Anyway, um, it's, it's, it's being able to say we're breaking down what the societal expectations of relationships are. That's the anarchy part of it. The relationship part of it is still very much there, right? what I can handle, what my values and goals are, and how I want to execute them with this person. So if I know that I am like, nah, I can't be sleeping with more than one person. Okay, then that's your, we still, you still have your boundary, your boundaries for you. And then you tell people, hey, look, this is what I can't deal with. And if you do that, then I got to exit the situation. And you leave it at that. And so folks are either going to respect the boundary or they're going to disrespect it. And you handle yourself accordingly from there. I got you. Yeah, because I mean, the just the term relationship anarchy seems it's probably worse than, you know, it's it's just a negative connotation associated with, and it, it essentially just sounds like it seems like you're setting your own view of what a relationship looks like to you, if if I'm understanding it fully. Yeah, I mean that's and that's what I got from it from the jump, and this is what I also want to like try to push for it maybe like. Mm-hmm even probably put a book out on because there's there's one thing that I've noticed about any kind of smaller niche, whether it be hobbies, belief systems, uh, is that when you get into these spaces, there's still never a lot of us. We're still always a minority. Um, Like Mike was saying in the beginning, I'm the only relationship anarchist he knows. Hell, I'm the only relationship anarchist I knew. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So like, I would like, you know, more people to be introduced to this way of life. I'm not going to be sitting here trying to like, you know, knock on people's doors like Jehovah's Witnesses, but like, you know, if I'm, I just want to live out loud and let people be like, hey, I like that, what you're doing, what is that? You know what I'm saying? I want people to be able to see this noticeable difference between how I carry myself in my relationships and somebody else. And when I, then when I explain what, you know, what I'm doing and what this concept is to them, they can sit there and be like, okay, cool, let me look into that. And if they want to rock with that, they can rock with that. And I would love for us, more of us to be in it, because I feel like Black people have really been tied to all these systems that we were given, forced, in a lot of cases, by white folks. And we don't question anything because we think that's just how it, how things are. And it's wild to me how we think that. Like, i seen, this is a completely off-topic example, but it's a good example of what I'm talking about is how we stick to, you know, things that we've been forced upon us. I was watching a uh, video on TikTok earlier where a very young girl, she looked like she was like, maybe like 16, but far beyond the years of mental, she was like, she asked her mom, 
what do you think of the what do you think of our ancestors before whites introduced slavery and she was like and she said her mom had basically made some disparaging remarks like you know well that that's them i'm glad that you know i was introduced to jesus and it's like so you would literally throw away everything that we were before whites came in for this fictional Caesar Borgalia type. Oh, like, that makes no sense to me. You're clinging on to this because it's comfortable. And, and I feel like if we introduce the more, the more concepts we introduce to the black community and makes people uncomfortable is how we grow. Black folks know that if we, if we want to grow, we got to be uncomfortable. We know that when it comes to like getting money and business, but for some reason we won't critically think and, and, and take that and apply it to everything else in our life. How do you expect to grow as a person in general if you don't make yourself uncomfortable and listen to comfortable, listen to things that are that you may not necessarily believe in at first or or be around people that you were told were bad, but like you see them for the human they are. A lot of folks who are like, as far as the queer team, a lot of folks are like, I a lot of allies are like, I was homophobic until my brother or my sister or my kid. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't have to take somebody that close to you to, to realize that you know folks should be treated like human beings. You should be like, hey, look, well, what makes y'all so bad? Why why does everybody hate y'all? You know what I mean? And then go have a conversation with somebody. Because as far as I'm concerned, as long as somebody ain't running around here like with a clan hood on or 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 the, or the swastika, then they really ain't out here trying to you know do no harm to you. Yeah. Of course, you know, have discernment, you know what I'm saying? Not, you know, not everybody's out there for you, but like at the same time, you can still be introduced into somebody's way of life, reject it, and but still be able to either pull gems from it or be able to at least respect them as a person in public. At the very least. Yeah. You hitting on so many points, yo. I was trying to write stuff down because this I've been talking about how people have such limited views of liberation. Like we can talk about getting money and being the first billionaire in our family and building generational wealth all day. But you start getting to that, that get, start getting the gay shit, start getting towards, you know, I know Will is not about the abolition, but even if you're not believing in abolition, like when you start going to talk about like drastic reform, even like completely overturning institutions and in, from the inside out, people's Im- imaginations get real limited very, very quickly. And it's so weird because our imaginations have always saved us. Like there was a point in time where black folk did not envision themselves outside of slavery. And look where we at. I mean, slavery is still a thing, technically. But like, look where black people are now. Like it's it's so weird how people just like get to a stopping point in their heads. Like, all right, that's enough. We can't be, we, you know, we can be free, but we can't be non-monogamous. So we can't, you know, we can't associate with queer people that intimately. Like it's so strange to me. But it's because the system has tied our lack of imagination to being safe. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, And and that's something we got to break. Well, while I'm not for abolition. (laughs) (laughs) See, he goes backtrack the whole thing. While I'm not not for abolition, um, this country is fucked up towards black folk. But... (laughs) You listen to Colin, listen to this shit, man. This man <laughs> country ain't shit for black people, but you know, I don't, I don't do too much. I mean, you know, you gotta make it work, you know. Get out my face. <laughs>
low-key feel him. I, I wouldn't call myself an abolitionist, but I wouldn't, I don't, I don't dismiss the theory of my dang self. Uh, that's a completely different topic, but I, I get, I get where both of y'all are coming from. I, I kind of, I, in, in a lot of ways, I agree with both. Like, it depends on how it was implemented for me personally. Like, some ways I've heard about it being implemented, cool. Other ways, I'm like, no. Let me tell you where me and Mike disagree, okay? And then we go, then we go, move on from this. Mike, Mike wants to start a new, a new government, a new system based off of love, right? And, and, Mike, and Mike's definition of love, what was it, Mike? Like more so community looking out for one another, right? It's leading with the, um, basically with the spiritual growth of people, yourself and others, you know, as the leading guide for that, you know, revolution. And to be clear, it's not like I'm talking about destroying shit overnight. Because we're always pointing to shit like I'm trying to blow up the state house at night and fucking start a new <laughs> show to talking about. My I'm saying this is a, it's an ongoing work. process. Shut up. It's <laughs> a- <laughs> My belief is that it won't work because people are inherently selfish. No, okay. Let me finish. Let me Go finish ahead. my statement. Shut up. Go ahead. Save them. Save them all. Go ahead. It is an over. It is an ongoing process. Liberation is not a destination. It is a journey. It is not hoping overnight. It is an ongoing process that's already happening. Is what Will keeps losing out on. It's already happening. Yes, reform is happening. Just face. <laughs> all right. Um, continue, Mike, with this with the outlaw. So yeah. So that's we're gonna we're gonna come back to the abolition shit at another episode. But um one thing you did, and this is the last thing we got, um talk about Khan, which is um people's fear um stopping them. Um I think that fear there's a thin line between fear and prejudice. And one thing I hear all the time with this whole dating thing, you know, not only are people afraid of the whole non-monogamy thing, but um, you know, people say they're looking for their type, looking for their type. But when their type has a certain quality that I think that prejudice is residing in, um, they they say they don't prefer that person. It's not in their preferences, and that then line between preference and prejudice be be shaky. And one thing I especially want to touch on, which I don't think it's talked about nearly enough, is biophobia in women, particularly black women. Um, y'all know I love black women. You know I love I love black women across the world out here now. But one thing I keep seeing. Black women are completely fine with having gay homeboys. A hundred percent fine having gay homeboys. They love them. Oh, they love them to death. But when it comes to the dude that they're sexually attracted to, anytime that dude steps like a centimeter outside of traditional masculinity, like a like a smidge outside of traditional masculinity, oh <laughs> shit, nigga, I don't know. And it becomes <laughs> like, oh, I don't prefer, I don't prefer a bisexual man. I don't prefer a man who is sexually attracted to the man. And it's like, uh, if that's the only thing stopping you. Sounds like biphobia, but I would like to know, you know, Khan's experience with that. If you if you have experienced that at all, if you if I'm talking nonsense, please correct me. But I just want to talk about this. Oh, you are you, you hit the nail on the head, and it's uh, see. Okay, I'll, I'll start off by saying this: the most frustrating thing about coming out as bi and then um, non-monogamous within like a year span was thinking that this was going to open up the dating pool and make it an ocean and no, it turned into a fucking bucket. A dirty one at that. Um, (laughs) I was like, yo, what the hell happened? Like all the, all the, all the ones that was low key checking for me on all the dating apps. Like I was seeing unmatching everywhere. I just, I was, are you serious? I was about to say April Fools. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just getting. 
Hey. And so I don't want to, I want to be real, but then I don't want people to feel attacked. And that's the problem with these conversations is that folks always feel attacked, right? So when black women say, I don't want to date a bisexual man, that's fine. They can, they can do that. My issue with the I don't want to date a bisexual man thing is that the reasons why and how it's said, because this is what happens a lot of times. And I'm not saying this is all the time because I know there's, there's some folks, especially in my community, who will spark the conversation just to start some shit and, and get their views up on, on TikTok or whatever. But a lot of the times the conversation comes out of left field, like I'm scrolling on, on my timeline and next thing you know, Jess Hilarious has a freaking video up about why they won't date bisexual no man. And I'm like, well, who said we would date y'all? Why, <laughs> why is this on my timeline? Why is this popping up out of nowhere? Why are we the butt of your jokes right now? Like, I, I am fully aware at this point, even in my, you know, quote unquote, baby, baby gay, baby queer stage, that a lot of straight black women ain't gonna rock with it. So I moved accordingly and I just was like, okay, well, I'll go ahead and look for uh, either other bi women or I'll let any straight women who are open to it be. And, and I'm not meaning like holla at me, but at least like, you know, I'll be in spaces where they're more likely to be at. So I'm in, I'm in those kind of spaces digitally and thankfully because of Atlanta physically where if you're in that location, you, it's, it pretty much, it's pretty much safe to say that you would probably date a queer dude. You know what I mean? And I can I can then, you know, do my whole masculine shoot my shot thing, buy your drink, whatever, all that, all that, all that jazz. But they build these stereotypes around bisexual men that are innately harmful and then pull in and also leak over into other areas of their life. And that's the thing that that's that's what people are trying to get folks to understand when these conversations come up time and time again. It's not the fact that you won't die bisexual men because you have full autonomy of your body and over your will. You can do whatever the hell you want until the Supreme Court says you can't for no damn apparent reason um but at the same time know why you're doing it that way you don't actually leak that because it is a, it's it, it is a bigotry but there's i'm not gonna say there's acceptable forms of bigotry but there's some bigotry is like you know what it's not that serious in the grander scheme of things so this is is a form of bigotry that you can least limit and not leak on the other folks and my 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 key go-to example is this Women say bisexual men are feminine. We're not all feminine. They say that they are insecure because they can't give us what a man can give us. I'm not looking for what a man can give me. I'm looking for what you can give me as a woman. And if I wanted what a man can give me, I wouldn't be talking to you. I could be ho ho hollering at a man. And then they talk about, well, what if I get cheated on? Well, ma'am, you get cheated on every day by your boyfriend and you you keep going back to him. And a lot of times the same news that they be talking about are so masculine, be the same ones that be on ten, I mean on a grinder, but we ain't gonna talk about that right now. Um if you have all these misconceptions about bisexual people and you're, 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 you hold these and you just let them spill out no matter what, how does that affect the people around you? A lot of these women want the whole nuclear family, right? They want the husband, they want the picket fence, they want the kids. Okay, so you have a son, he grows up, he, he seems very masculine to you, he's great at school, he does all the things, he's just a great kid overall. And then when it comes time to him to become a teenager and he's learning and discovering himself, he discovers he's bisexual. <clears throat> he wants to tell his parents because hopefully by then we're in a time where that's just like just something to say and not a whole big coming out thing. And then he overhears you as a black woman 
completely just blasting bisexual men on the phone with your homegirl because she, you know, got mad about a date where the dude she was talking to basically told her he was son overhears all this and now he ain't telling you shit. And not only that, now he's got to go someplace else to get guidance and information on how to navigate these feelings he now has, which means he might go to the wrong person because we know there are folks out there who are predators. A lot of them are grown as hell going for young people and that's no matter what sexuality you are you know what i'm saying because i know back when i was coming up in school i would see grown-ass men coming to pick up damn little girls and then, and at the time i was you know naive as hell and be like damn why they always want these older dudes now i'm as an adult and i'm like yo if i see that i'm i'm dragging homie out the fucking car right but this is how we drive people away without driving them away. You know what I'm saying? Or you might be with your mans and you talking cash shit about bisexual men, but he might be like me and have been going through what's known as compulsory heterosexuality, which is a concept basically saying that you, society has basically made it where you felt <clears throat> like it was mandatory to be heterosexual to the point that you shut down everything else. And then he discovers he's bi and wants to tell you, but now he can't because he feels like if he tells you, then you're going to think that he that he lied the entire time and that he was gay the entire time and that he was just, you know, getting doing the bending or, or getting bent the entire time. And when, you know, he just learned this in his damn self. There's some of us that do come out very late. I've had people were that, that thanked me on video saying, thank you for telling your story. I'm now out at 45. I'm now out at 50. I'm like, yo, I'm glad you're out. But at the same time, in the back of my head, I'm like, damn, you that means you've missed out on like 50 years of being your true self. I've missed out on like 34 and I feel like I've, I'm behind the power curve. And that's not to say you can't do it what you want at whatever age you want. But I mean, it's also something to say that you can't be yourself for that long. It's, it should be a crime, to be honest. Punishable by all uh, all of society uh, implementing this, this crap on us. Like everybody should just, you know, have to like, I don't know, lose like a couple of bucks. Because it's like you, you, you help contribute to this man not being able to be himself type deal. Yeah. So overall yeah that's immediate shutdown i've not been on many dates since i've been out because of me being one coming out during the pandemic which means there was no place to freaking go and two um also you know trying to survive capitalism but the few times that i have gone out uh have definitely reality checked me to the point where i was like oh okay yeah i might need to like totally re evaluate or re like start from the ground up how i start dating now like because i was i was literally just dating as if i was like back when i was straight because i felt like because to me nothing's changed the only thing that's changed is now that i'm telling you that i'm also attracted that i also can be attracted to men now that's not to sit there and say i've been with a man and that's another thing that folks don't understand. Just because you're attracted to somebody doesn't mean you want to do it. I, I, yeah, I can sit there and say I'm attracted to <clears throat> men, but at the same time, I can't stand niggas. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's gonna take a really it's gonna take a really like one of a kind dude for me to be like, hey, let me go holler at him. Because as of right now, I'm, I'm still like women only right now, and not that's I'm not saying women only as far as my sexuality. It's just like that's my that's my preference. I can do, I can be attracted to men or women, but right now I prefer women. That's what the true preference is. I'm not excluding men, but they just ain't on my radar at all. But I was approaching dating as if I was like, you know, a straight dude 
and then in the spirit of honesty would tell you know show you on the first day hey yeah so blah 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 you know so funny enough i just discovered i was bisexual as of recently and like the the when i tell you you can literally i was never one of these uh very spiritual people and so i didn't really believe i, I believed in energy and stuff but i wasn't like you know hardcore like yeah crystals or nothing like that but like when i tell you you can literally feel the energy shift and I'm not talking about in a good way. Like I, like it, it, like air would get heavy. Facial expressions would just become like blank, and it's just like, let's get this checked. Cause um, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty much can argue. You ain't even gotta say it. I pretty much know this day is over with. That's like, so wow. Yeah, I've had people that I was actively talking to at the time, and then when I did my first TikTok video on on being by went back to those conversations to find out I was blocked. <laughs> like Fucking crazy. The only thing I haven't had happen is an ex hit me up, which I'm glad. I think my exes know better. And plus they know that plus I like 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 I said, as I was under compet, I was straight until I wasn't, literally. I was straight until I was like, you know what? I'm not straight no anymore. So in in the spirit of anybody who may be listening to this, um especially you know given that you're based out of South Carolina, and I've had many a uh, uh, good time in South Carolina. If you was with me before, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't messing with dudes. Don't worry, you're safe. You can still go get tested if you want to, but you're safe. Anyway, um, yeah, only get blocked. The only thing I haven't had is an ex hit me up. Like, nah, I was, I was just really just navigating life until I started being more critical of how things were and how I was moving and what I believed and then you know I wasn't around toxic masculinity all the time and just was like is is wild because when I was very very young and didn't know better I was I was exploring I was doing all the things and then I got caught one day with my uh, best friend at the time. And when I tell you, he got the gay beat out of us, probably literally got the gay beat out of us. I don't know what, I don't know how his life turned out because we basically kind of separated from then and I moved down south. But like, I was, it was, it was, it was like literally a repressed memory for the longest time. And then it just came back up and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not straight. Oh well. <laughs> so, to tie it back all the way to the beginning, um, it's 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 a very culture shock type thing to realize uh, how how hard body or how deep folks are holding on to their beliefs. Because like literally, I've seen, and this is what gets me right. Uh, and this my this uh, this is where I'll, uh, I'll end this point at. A lot of times, the the hesitations that women have about dating a bisexual man is because of the queer men they see there's queer men out there's plenty more out there that are living completely normal heteronormative lives they're masculine as hell they're chopping wood they're building houses they're bringing tables all the things they want all the things they are begging these straight men to do and they don't see them they don't they don't, they don't think that man is and they don't think that man is uh bi but that man is very much bi mm-hmm. And so when they say, well, I don't want my, I don't want to buy a man because he's feminine. That's no, that's the buy man you're, you've seen. There's a buy man that's masculine that you wouldn't know because you assume anybody body that you see is straight. 
Mm-hmm. So I'll leave it at that. Man, such an excellent point. This is why I had you on the show, Con. This is what I'm talking about. And first of all, I want to say I apologize. I'm so sorry that that happened to you as a child. That's absolutely wild. Um, but like you said, like sexuality is such a spectrum. Like people would just have, and it's so wild. Is it still, still happening in 2022 that people think, oh, queer or bi man, boom, that's what I, that's what it is. Super feminine, super one way, super always going to be wanting to be with men in the back of their minds. Not going to give me, you know, not going to not going to be able to love me properly as a woman. Shit's fucking wild. But I'll say real fast. One thing you mentioned about people coming to you saying that you have to come out at like 45 years old or 50 years old. Um, and I was just telling Willis that the little cookout we did, we just had this past weekend. I'm realizing that there's like zero to no male centered sensuality spaces out here. Um, if there are more, please put me on, but I only know of a couple and those are people like I know personally, but in general, there's no, like there's men don't have somewhere to go to to talk about sensuality. And so, like, that's where you get a lot of that repressed sexuality. That's where you get, like, fuck the pussy till it bleeds mentality. Like, no, no courses on being multi-orgasmic. You know, that's what that's my shit right now. You know what I'm saying? No things on being multi-orgasmic or how to channel energy, how to just literally just treat other men or women that you want to be sexually intimate with, um, how to be sexually intimate with yourself, first and foremost. Like, there's no spaces like that out here, yo. So so many things but just shout out to you for because you know i've been in your clubhouse rooms for a minute um shout out to you for definitely having those spaces on clubhouse like i rarely be on i'll be on clubhouse here and there but this shit is so toxic nowadays like it's, it's a piece of shit but like yeah it's successful now <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's fucking gross but you if i see you on if i see kimmy on like i definitely hop in y'all's rooms because y'all definitely be having some great rooms and i, I love the spaces that you open to people um with what y'all's conversation about so shout out to you for that um, I want to say thank you so much for having us on the show. I know we're running out of an hour. I don't know if Will you had anything to add or anything. No, I'm I'm good. This was uh, it was very dope. I, I really like hearing about people's journeys and how they got to these to these you know places that we haven't heard of or honestly these these places that you know we we have heard of people or these stories we have heard before, but you see them on like movies or somebody just like you're disconnected from, yeah. you know, when you're, when you're up close and personal with somebody, when you're hearing their story, uh, you know, really come out, it, it really gives you insight on, you know, the things they're going through or, or whatever. So. So what you're saying is you're about to start practicing relationship anarchy. I mean, <laughs> I just, I just sent the text. Hey, <laughs> if I, you know, the first, the first person you should text, I ain't gonna say her name on the podcast, but just, just shoot it out there, see what happens. No, <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, but yeah, man, Con, do you have anything you want to shout out? Um, that you got coming up or anything? Um, nice. Well, first, thanks you for having me on the show. This has been a very dope experience, a great conversation. I, I really appreciate, appreciate you uh, sending me out the invite for this. Um, second, I don't have any kind of upcoming events or anything to promote, but I, like I said, I am a photographer. Uh, my my business is Iconic Photos. That's I-K-A-H-N-I-C Photos on Instagram. You can follow me there. I got a link tree that goes to all the other things that I do. Um, and for any questions or comments, concerns, uh, 
thank yous. Hell, I'll I'll even take some hate mail at this point so I can so I can uh, <laughs> practice practice these insults uh you know send all that to that um other than that man yeah thanks appreciate it man i was gonna say you'd be already be popping I've, I've known you to pop up from people um <laughs> already as it is and i know we used to have <laughs> maybe this should be another episode down the road we used to have our annual uh debates on if the friendship exists uh the friend the friend zone exists or not and i mean you would go back and forth on that a lot yeah so I know, I mean, I think you're doing good work though, regardless. Like I think anybody who comes for you is in trouble. <laughs> I've seen it firsthand. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to be like Samuel Jackson. He, he He's in his what, 80s now because he chose violence daily? Oh, that's what, that sounds good to me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah, we can't thank you enough, man. We really do appreciate you taking the time out, popping the show. So much good insight. Um, I hope everybody listen. I hope everybody just reevaluates how you look at relationships. I hope, especially women, look at reevaluate everything you just said and just think about how you be approaching your relationships with men. Like it's so, it's such a good conversation, yo. I really would love to have you back on to talk more about that. But I don't want to take any more of your time. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much. Um, we're gonna get into the thirst of the week. Um, kind of don't know if you know this, but we always shout out a black woman out here doing the damn thing in the biggest way possible. Um, and this way, I just this is a personal one for me, man. Then my homegirl Miller. Um, just had put out her new album. I'm so mad because it's fucking weekend. My alternator went out in my car and I waited her album release party. I was on the side of the road all day. It wasn't all bad. It wasn't all bad. Um, but I missed her album release party. Um, she just put out an album called Still Ben Miller. Uh, if you don't know Miller, man, super dope rapper, singer, songwriter, uh, based right here in Columbia, South Carolina, who believes in expressing personal experiences through storytelling and her music. Uh, she delivers a mixture of nostalgia and rawness that keeps listeners engaged. Miller has been featured all across Columbia and Sacramento in general, including Cree Speaks Media's We Can All Eat Showcase, Black, Black Nerd Mafia's uh, Five Deadly Venoms, and of course my show, uh, Blue Note Poetry, which Connors has been featured in as well, who killed it, as he, as he does. Um, and Miller's just dope, man. If you're looking for just a soulful rapper, if you're tired of Drake's new house, quote unquote, music or whatever the fuck he's doing out here these days. Um, definitely check out her album. Uh, you can check out her website at www.benmiller.com, IG and Twitter at Ben Miller. Um, it, she's just she's just super dope, yo. So check Miller her out. Miller Ben dope. I, I love I love her music. Oh, you already know. Music. You already know. Yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, I'm about to make a road trip anyway after this. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, uh, crank that album up. <laughs> Please do. It's it's fire, yo. Everything she puts, everything she touches is fire. But this shit is no different. Um, Will don't like. Will doesn't appreciate real rap. He out here listening to Drake's music. You know what I mean? I'm definitely not listening to that new Drake album. Popping Molly and shit with white woman. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's hey, wait, real quick, real quick. Okay, so you're not rocking with the real the new new Drake. I ain't either. But what about that new Kendrick though? You know what? Heavy headed for me. Little... Yeah, me. I think me and Will felt about the same. We usually disagree on music, but it was a good album. But yeah, I said I told Will that I feel like I'm past the point of Will blowing me out the water, and he agreed with that. Like I, I the subject matter was cool, but like what I all like the the super lyricism and the there there wasn't even like a, a radio vibe to this. Like there wasn't. It was just kind of, eh. 
Uh, what's it called? N97 is like a radio. Yeah, that, that one, yeah. But like the album lacked flair to me. It, it lacked something. It was... Best spoken word album of all time. <laughs> what? <laughs> The best spoken word album of all time. Oh, you, crazy. you praising Kodak Black out here? <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like overall, <laughs> like if it was if if Kendra would have released this and said this is a spoken word project, I'd give it high praises. And the only demerits it would have would be having Kodak on it. Hmm. Actually, I don't like that. I don't disagree with that. That um, yeah, best spoken word album. I can see that. I can, I can see. Yeah, I can actually do it. Now that I think about it, after you really said it, I was like taking the back. But now that I think about it, I can definitely see two poets performing. Um, what is it? The the whole argument shit. I could definitely see two poets. Oh, yeah. performing that shit. Yeah. How how did how did you feel about the argument thing, uh, Con? Did you like it? Because Mike was like, "Eh, this has been done enough." I was gonna say it was a, to me. It was like a little bit of a old throw a, a throwback to Biggie's intro on on um, Ready to Die. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but like outside of that, yeah, it was, it was just like yeah, it's been done. Honestly, that's what I'm saying. If you listen to like hip hop for real, like it's several rappers who have done that. I feel like even better than he did it. I don't think I think it was good. It was a good track. I think it was dope. But like so many rappers have done that before. It was kind of like I could tell people are not used to that, and that's why it blew their minds. But for somebody like me, it was like it was cool. Oh, that was nice. <laughs> oh. Yeah, man. I think I think that's I think Kendrick has hit this pinnacle, and he's deserved to hit this pinnacle by now. I don't see how you ever top to Pimple Butterfly. That shit is just I don't even know how you come close. Too brilliant. I really don't. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, man. Thank y'all. Thank you, Con, again. Um, appreciate y'all rocking with us. I'm sorry for the hiatus. We're going to be more consistent, hopefully, as long as the topics keep rolling in. We're going to be more consistent. Right. <laughs> and, um, yeah, man, we love y'all. We'll see you next time. There it is. Yeah.